It is stunning, isn't it? Just how quickly these first followers of Jesus, they drop and they leave and they set out to follow. Whether it's James and John and Simon and Andrew last week or in our passage today, Philip and Nathaniel, it is always wondrous to me. And it always prompts me to ask, what is it that would have provoked such a response from someone? Because it is one of those things that we have to explain about this Jesus coming from Nazareth. We know that he was provocative enough to prompt people to leave their homes and their familiar spaces behind and to set out where he was leading them. And so what is it that prompted these first followers to drop their nets, to leave their homes, to depart the shade of the fig trees under which they're standing and to follow him into this whole new way of being in the world? Because sometimes it seems like it happens all at once, doesn't it? Immediately, they dropped their nets to follow, Mark describes. It can start to make you think that they must have seen something that we can't see all of these years later. They must have been near to something so bold and compelling that it couldn't be missed as we seem to miss it so often with the distance of time and place. But then a closer look at this passage in John shows that unlike Mark, where everything is immediate and rapid motion, these disciples don't see and understand him all at once. It's not It's gradual. It's a process. And more often, that is what an epiphany is like. It's not sudden or dramatic. No, it's more like magi who see something flash against the sky, a glimmer against the and then the more they follow, the closer they come, the more they recognize, and the more that they come to see. You don't have to understand. You don't have to become something new and different all at once. You just have to do this one thing. You just have to follow. Follow me, Jesus says, throughout these passages of discipleship, what turns out to be the most compelling of invitations. It is the first word that most of us hear him speak, in fact. This single word that is spoken from a lake shore or from a crowded street or from across the paths of our lives, finding us in the middle of all of our patterned work and behavior. It is a word that is so central to our faith. It is the root of the word disciple, that word that Jesus first spoke to all of us wherever he found us, follow me. The New Testament repeats the word. Over and over, there are some 30 references to following, many of them coming from the Greek word mimeomai. And you can hear in that word, mimeomai, mimeo, the root of our words mime and mimic, an imitator of Christ, as Ephesians puts it. So imitate me, mime your way through these motions you have seen in me, mimic me, and then gradually, over time, You will become something more, something that I can see in you, something greater even than what you can see in yourself. Now, my children have become experts in this kind of mimicry as they have grown. And I would remind all of us here that anything said in the pulpit of First Baptist Greensboro is subject to imitation at the Shiraz family dinner table. But this sort of play started young, as I recall. And it started in all of them in various ways. I remember when our oldest child, Jack, was younger. He would watch us eat, and then he would insist on feeding himself. Or if I held him up amidst his morning fussiness, he would see me shaving my face, and his eyes would be fixed 
on touching this peculiar cream that was smeared all over. Some of you have experienced this. How a child will mimic the things that you do, will mime the motions in their own way. Even at a young, very young age, turning the pages of a book and reading with you. Or standing in the kitchen to make the Saturday morning waffles. Our children have at various times grabbed tools to help us fix things around the house. They might sit in the front seat at some point younger, in younger days and drive our car. They might have grabbed a toy camera and taken a photo like their mother. My son would stand on a chair in those days or stand on top of a table, asked to be lifted up to simulate height so that we could look eye to eye. All the while mimicking and following and miming what he sees from those that love him and surround him. Now granted, it is no Messiah that our children are patterning after. But nonetheless, sometimes I can catch this glimpse of how they are becoming with each day gradually older and stronger and more and more grown. And that is the hope of anyone that sets out to follow. The hope that in some way, someday, mimicry will give way to something more than that, something greater, and they will become like the person that they are following after. Follow me, Jesus says. Live as I am living. Mime your way through these motions that I have shown you, and you will never be the same. Through all of this mimicry, you will be like me. Which is astounding, because we disciples can see that in most ways, on most days, we are so little like Jesus. When I read the Gospels, I see a man who at every turn finds his way to the people that need him most. On every page, he seems to connect his life to people that find their existence out from the center and on the edges of our world. There's no getting around this in the story of Jesus. He was building a kingdom, one scholar has said famously, of nuisances and nobodies. Those whom the great mystic Howard Thurman describes as standing with their backs against a wall, backed into a corner, nowhere else to go. And to these people, Jesus says, the kingdom of God is near to you. You don't have to go someplace else to find God. You don't have to clean up your life. For God to be with you, to dwell with you, God is near you, right here, where you are, in this moment, in this place, God is with you. And what good news, especially for anyone or any of us here today, who happen to feel like for whatever reason, life is lived out on the edge of things. Perhaps someone has told you, or you have come to believe, that whatever God is doing in this world that is true and meaningful, that it doesn't include you, that you're not a part of it, that you're not in the middle of it. You're somewhere out on the edges of it all. Well, the good news, maybe the best news of the gospel that Jesus came to announce and enact and embody is that in the kingdom of God, this place that Jesus announces with his life, there are no edges. There's only a center, and it is centrally located near to you. And that is good news, but... It is also demanding news, isn't it? It is challenging news. Because then I have to ask myself, what am I doing with this? Am I following in the way of this gospel? Am I giving my life to it? Here's really the question. Am I becoming more like Jesus? Or 
Am I trying to make Jesus and the gospel look more like me? Because we know that we don't live as beautifully. We know in our heart of hearts we don't love as fiercely, see as clearly and compassionately as him. And maybe we feel like it just can't happen to us. We could never be like him. We could never do what they did or become what they became. But what if we did? What if we were like him? How would we do it? Never mind for a moment that we're not like him in all the ways that we wish we were, but what if we were? Just imagine it. How would we do it? How would we mimic his motions? How would the movements of our lives change? What would we notice and emulate? And who would we attract to ourselves? How would our labor and our lives and our world be different? What if we were what he thinks we can be? Because I think that's what Jesus was after ultimately. I think Jesus actually believes in us. In all of our imitation and mimicry, he actually believes that we can become more than we are, that we can become people like him. And so later, what will he do but return to these same Nathaniel and Philip, James, John, Simon, Andrew, and this handful of others, and he will send them out on their own, saying, you cure the sick, you cleanse the lepers, you cast out the demons, the very things that they had seen him do. And then what will he do when he knows his time is short? He will gather them all together. He will say, my disciples, whom I have come to call friends, love one another, and not just in any particular way, but love one another as I have loved you. All you have experienced from me, you pass it around to others. It is a possibility within you. Reverend Sam Adiyami is a pastor of a church in Nigeria and is a global Christian leader. And I love what he says about this characteristic of Jesus. He says that what makes Jesus so distinct and definitive from so many others is that Jesus gives power away. Because how many of us, if we were capable of performing some sort of extravagant and monumental feat, like walking on water, how many of us would say to Peter in the boat, well, who do you think you are? Peter, did the heavens part at your baptism? Did an angel announce your birth? Did you descend from the right hand of God? Peter, you are not me. Peter, you need to stay in that boat. But Jesus says to us, if I can do it, then by the power of God, you can do it too. You can imagine the heavens parting for you. You can imagine the grace and power of God resting on your life. You can walk on this water. You can heal those sick. You can love in the way that I have loved you. You can preach the gospel and baptize in the name of Father, Son, and Spirit. You can transform this world to look more and more like this kingdom that I have told you about. And every bit of this possibility is contained in that single first word, follow. And anyone can do it. Which is not to say that it's easy because it asks something. It costs something. We have to drop our nets, our previous assumptions, our frameworks of understanding, our patterns of work and living, as Buck reminded us last week. Or, as we see in our passage today, we have to leave the places where we have been comfortably standing. 
I saw you when you were under the fig tree, Jesus says to them. Notice that because fig trees are often mentioned in the Bible. They were medium height trees, 15 to 25 feet, and they had this canopy that spread out wide. And so they were valued in that ancient world for their thick foliage, even in the harshest conditions of first century Palestine. It was common to find someone sitting beneath the cool and the dense shade of a fig tree to escape the heat of the day. And that's where Jesus finds Nathanael. Because he had his life ordered. His routine was fairly straightforward. It was time to stand in the shade. His view there was framed the way he wanted it. And life must have been pretty good for him because from that shady perch he could look down at those he deemed other than and less than himself. He could sneer, can anything good come from Nazareth? Ancient literature suggests that the shade of the fig trees was so valued that homes were often built near the trees. Bruce Molina, who studies the social science of the first century world, has even suggested that when a fig tree is referenced, it's actually a symbol of home. And so when Jesus says, I saw you there under the fig tree, it's as if he's saying, I saw you in that place where things were most settled for you. I saw you in your sheltered places. I saw you in your home. And from this place of safety, Nathaniel will yet leave, will follow, and will come to see. And what about us? What are the shady spots where we construct our dwellings? Where have we built our private world? What branches are framing or blocking our views of things? What shadows do we need to leave behind if we are going to see things that are yet greater than we have for our lives, for our world, and from our Messiah? Because we too have places where we sit comfortably and we assume where the good people come from. And we figure out how to keep ourselves separated from those that are different. We have places where we rest and we retain an image of who Jesus is and this limited framed view of what a Messiah looks like. And Jesus sees us in those places. He sees us all under our fig trees, in our places of shelter, before we ever see him. And he knows that something in all of us just wants to stay right there in the shade. Because something in all of us knows what seeing Jesus will mean. Because if we follow, if we set out after this word, well then we know it will lead out of the shade as it did for Nathaniel and as it has for so many others. Nathaniel has confessed that Jesus is a blessed teacher, the Son of God, the King of Israel, but Jesus is not going to behave as Nathaniel assumes all of those categories would dictate. He is going to show him even greater things than that. He's going to show him more than Nathaniel can imagine from there. If Nathaniel is going to continue to follow and confess that Jesus is the Son of God, well then he will lose his life as he knows it and he will find a new abundant life beyond all of his expectations and eventually that will mean more than seeing things that he didn't expect from Jesus. It will mean seeing things that he never expected from God. Because the closer we come, the more gradually we follow, the more we see, the more we become. And so what will we do when we hear that word follow? Friends, ultimately I think this is a story that is as much about these disciples and their longing 
as it is about Jesus and his allure. Why did they do it so quickly, so abruptly? What would have caused them to set out? I think that at some point in the midst of casting their nets, of rowing their boats, of building their sheltered homes, somewhere in the midst of all of their patterns, they began to ache for their lives to be something more. And they imagined that their world could become something different. And they saw this man with all of his elegant grace and they thought, maybe, maybe it can happen to us. Maybe we can become like that. Maybe that's your desire too. I know it is mine. That in the midst of our settled places, that our lives might have the chance to become something beyond what we have seen. And if that is what you want, well then the call of the gospel is so clear. First, follow. Mimic Jesus. Follow in his path. Mime your way through his motions and he will show you even greater things. And it might seem far-fetched. We might think ourselves too feeble and flawed. It might even seem outrageous to think that we can become something that we have never been. Then again, first follow. And then let's just see. This past Wednesday evening, I got home. After four days of travel, there was this series of flight delays. There was a drive from Charlotte. It was after 10 o'clock. But my youngest kids had set alarms so that they would wake up. And my two older two had hung on doing homework and reading. So Jenny and I kissed and embraced to their delight and disgust. Even our dog Wally got in on the reunion. And so I was working my way around for the hugs. And finally I came to the last one with my oldest son. And some of you have experienced this. But even though it had only been four days... He was older. He was larger somehow. And as I pulled back from that embrace, it struck me that he was looking me in the eye. And there was no chair or table or stool, understand. Now, there might have been ever the slightest raise on the tiptoes, but maybe not. Because my son had grown in the same way that he'll lather his own face or sometime soon drive his own car. He reads his own books and formulates his own ideas. He provides for so many of his own needs. He chooses his own steps. He walks out boldly into the possibilities before him. And you see what is happening. This is the sermon in a sentence. My son is becoming like the one that he once only imagined he could be. And I don't always see the stages and the steps. I rarely do, in fact. More often, it rushes upon me all at once until there it is staring me in the face that this really does happen. And if there is any hope in this story for those of us who are seeking to give our lives to the gospel, if there is anything that is true and meaningful for those of us striving with all that we have to follow after Jesus, it is that it can happen here and it can happen now and it can happen to us. That somewhere as we follow, you and I awake to the reality 
that it is not merely mimicry anymore. And by God's grace and the miracle of God's Spirit, we can be transformed and become like Him whom we follow. We can become like the one that we imagined ourselves to be. And you don't have to understand it or grasp it or profess it all at once. You just have to follow and see. So hear that call again this day. Follow. Follow me. And you will never be the same. Follow me and you will become something more than you ever knew you could be. And thanks be to God. Amen.